Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julianne Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll be having a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's looking at mind mapping and how we can use that to create more ideas. We're also talking with Christina Sikiadis, who's just come back from the Innovation Festival. So we're going to have a look at a couple of the highlights from that. But right now, we're going to pop over to Markey Insurance and have a chat with Steve Markey. Good afternoon, Steve. Afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? Good, thank you. You said you were excited today, so uh, we've got an interesting subject of uh, journey insurance. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, we've spoken a lot about insurance topics over the few weeks and uh, particularly focused on assets and liabilities. Uh, But what about insuring our employees? Can you give our business listeners some insight into what they should be thinking about here? Yeah, sure, Julian. Thank you. Um, I thought over the next two information sessions we should... um, We'll focus on this subject, and today I'll talk about what is known as journey insurance and why businesses and people should consider this type of policy. And maybe next session we'll, we'll, um, well, definitely next session, we'll have one of our experts in workers' compensation discuss the critical parts of this legislated Mm. archaic insurance, um, (laughs) which everyone has a passionate dislike for, and in particular we might enlighten our business listeners on what the most recent changes to the legislation involve, you know, a, what what effect it can have on the business and their employees. You know, so. Certainly sounds good, and uh, we'll look at that next fortnight on Workers' Comp, but what about journey insurance? What does it entail? Uh, Julian, journey insurance, it's a cover which has been in existence for many years, but really has only come to the fore in New South Wales since 2012. Um, it's, it's much more relevant since the date, like June 2012, because the government changed the workers' compensation mm. rules. Um, and unfortunately it changed to, ex- this is an important part, exclude cover for employees where injured whilst travelling to and from their workplace. Um, so journey insurance is designed to put some basic cover back in place for these journeys, should someone be injured. Yes, that change uh, still creates a lot of confusion with people, doesn't it? So uh, mm. uh, what, what do you mean by a journey? Yeah, well, that's a really good question because it's critical to understand what um, definitions are in insurance and this one in particular. So in order to understand the cover, um, so with the exception of paramedics and firefighters who were successfully um, exempt from these law changes, all workers who are injured while travelling between their home and place of employment would only be entitled to workers' compensation if there is a... uh, This one is is a bit intense, but real and substantial connection between the employment and the accident or incident out of which the personal injury arose. Mm. So there's lots of words there. It's a bit hard to take in. So the best way is probably to um, have a look at an example. So... If I drive directly to work from home, as I do every day, and have an accident on the way and I'm injured, then workers' compensation will not activate. Mm-hmm. Okay, Same as if I'm driving straight home, won't activate. But if I drive to a work site, like if I go up to the Hunter Valley to visit a client directly from home and I don't go to the office first and I have an accident, then the workers' compensation does That's still cool. provide that journey cover. Mm-hmm. Okay. A little bit of a trick is, like if I go down the road for lunch and buy a pie, mm. like nothing to do with my employment, and I have an accident, then once again, workers' compensation mm. won't kick in. Mm. So 
You see, the journey must be work-related in order for the workers' compensation to respond. Okay. So there's a hole that's been created. Mm. So sometimes it's very complicated as to whether it's a journey or not, and that's what keeps the courts busy, and they will no doubt hear many cases on, on determining whether it was a journey or not. Mm. Okay, so insurers, uh, how, how can uh, journey insurance assist them? Well, in, insurers have specifically designed journey accident insurance policy to cover employees whilst travelling to and from work and also for activities undertaken during meal breaks. So, um, And also, to be fair and realistic, most insurers, when they've built their policies, have journey, including any minor deviations or interruptions um, on these journeys, which don't actually increase the risk of bodily injury that would have normally arisen had they travelled directly home or to the office, okay? So there's a little bit of flexibility in there. Um, but the policy helps protect organisations from financial loss as a result of employee downtime re resulting from a journey injury, um, which was once covered under work cover. So a business can pay the injured employee and seek financial recovery from this policy. Okay, so, so it can cover the reimbursing of wages. Is there anything else it covers? Yeah, although it's a fairly basic policy um, and the wages being the main one, but <clears throat> it's kind of uh, a little like a personal accident and illness policy as well. Um, so it can cover uh, benefit for death and disablement. Um, it can also have benefits in there for return to work assistance. Um, a handy one, replacement staff and recruitment costs. Uh, corporate image and maybe some funeral expenses. So it's got a few other things in there. So, so as with all insurance, are there any pitfalls to look out for? Well, there's a couple in here. Like, re remember, this this covers not as comprehensive as workers' compensation. It's it's quite a basic policy. But um, some of the things to watch for are the, the maximum benefit benefit period you might get under these policies is about two years. Okay. Um, you've got to watch age, age limits. Some of them might be like stop at 65, some might go to higher. Okay. And the benefits are limited and vary depending on what the em your employer is prepared to pay for, you know, like so you can pick higher limits and lower limits. It depends on your employer as to what they want to buy. So so read the fine print is the, the question I would well, think. Well, <laughs> read the fine print and then talk to your employer if one's in place, you know. So, But it was a sneaky move and when these journey... Um, claims were taken out, so this is just a way of trying to provide cover for employers that want to look after the employees. So it leads to an important question, is it expensive insurance? No, it's not expensive, it's, and it's easy to buy, and um, the average premium per employee may be between $20 and $35 um, okay. a year, it just depends on how many employees you might have, and, and it can depend on... Um, in, 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 your claims experience in relation to journey claims um, as well. So when they used to be covered under workers' compensation. So, no, it's not expensive, it's easy to buy, and it's actually a, a nice little add-on and benefit for your, for your business. Would it be based on the type of business you do, to, or the distance that people, employees have no, to travel? No, they don't necessarily do that. It's okay. really, um, it's not um, that analytical. It's really um, numbers. Number like of accidents. Said, just num number of people and claims experience. So, yeah. yeah. Great. So. Well, thanks for your time. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk with your workers' comp expert, which will be really exciting. Okay. Thanks again, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.
Steve Mikey there from Mikey Insurance, just getting a handle around that journey insurance. Uh, it has confused quite a few businesses in the time and uh, obviously worth talking to your broker if you're in any doubt. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's coming up to 24 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Sikadis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, and you've just had an exciting week at the Innovation I'm Festival. Having a very busy week so far. We're not over yet. We've got a couple of more events, a couple of a couple more events to go. I'm finding it even hard to speak. Um, so we've got we've got tonight at the, the Women in Innovation happening at the Watt Street Arc, and tomorrow um, we finish with the Hano Research Foundation breakfast. But some fantastic things coming out um, throughout the week. A lot of it reinforcing a lot of our conversations. So um, really exciting announcement. Jennifer Holland was our keynote speaker on Tuesday morning at the launch and she um, announced a $6 billion distribution company had just signed a deal with Throat Scope. So that's just a sensational thing to be coming out of. And they're an American company. Mm. Um, sensational thing to be coming out of the hunter. So this is a hunter woman who saw a need who developed a product, who started reaching out, who didn't give up, very, very passionate in her keynote speech about um, not giving up and having that determination. Actually, with quite incredible story, spent over $100,000 in patents um, developing up the idea. So that's like absolute true belief um, in what her product was. Uh, so what at what was, point did she spend that money on the patents? Various points along the way. Okay. So as the idea expanded, there was more money spent on patents. Obviously, now that they're, they're doing an international deal with a you know a six billion dollar yeah. distribution company, I imagine a, a whole whack of that came in that um, in that end in session. Bit. Probably be interesting to have her um, on talking about her product, you know, mm. at some point in time. So mm. and how it went from from idea to development to distribution. Um, some other interesting things coming out of the Hunter. Um, Vali engineering, just never stopping. Um, Jeff Phillips talked about cross-pollinization, which is uh, what we talk about often in the design thinking concept, is getting a whole lot of different minds in the area to um, come up and to work on ideas. And that whole the whole notion about where the idea comes from in the end shouldn't actually be recognisable because there's so many people contributing to it. Um, made a really good point, and I know we talked about it quite some time ago now, but being able to criticise internally. So when you put an idea on the table, not having everybody agree with it, having people play devil's advocate and seeing where the, where the potential faults might be, and if enough negative, negative arguments get thrown at it um, and people stop arguing in the positive, potentially it's time to give up. Mm. But if you can keep arguing against that negativity, then you've got a viable product at the end of it. Um, so many speakers this week have said that failure is not terminal. You know, failure is something that you need to expect because you didn't expect the first iteration to work in the first place. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing that Varley did say was that they don't actually have an innovation strategy. Okay. They just continually are in the process of self-improvement. They want to remain relevant. They want to get smarter. They want to collaborate. They want to understand the end user. And when you're doing that constantly... You are innovating by default. You know, it just becomes part of the, the normal DNA. Well, um, well, isn't that a strategy, though? <laughs> that it, well, potentially, I guess you could, you could call it a strategy. Uh, another interesting speaker last night at the university um, in a 50 years in innovation was Decky. So, Decky is a company um, who described themselves as the trip advisor for boating. Uh, which is a fantastic way of describing what they do. They pull in together all the, all these um, 
boating stories. And you know, he, the speaker actually said there's 40, $400 billion worth of um, economic value in the boating industry worldwide. And what they're doing now is they're, they're tying in a lot of the different um, outputs of where that, that comes from. Design Anthology and David Collis and Cave did a really great presentation um, of product ideation through to patenting this morning at the Business Centre. So um, Design Anthology, we're talking about things, uh, of thinking about your product in terms of a business because that's what it is. Mm. What is the product that you're doing? Where are the, where's the funding coming from? You need to be marketing the idea from the beginning. You need to be looking at IP, manufacturing, offshore versus local. We had that discussion this morning as well. As well, you know, is it actually cheaper to, to get it done overseas by the time you all the mistakes come back at you? And there's multiple cases of where offshore manufacturing has gone wrong oh, yeah. than had we manufactured it here in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Particularly in the engineering field, that's uh, the case. Yeah, and you know, I've got a client who does bags, and the number of times that they've sent them um, used offshore manufacturers, she's now using handmade local product uh, because the number of times that it's come back with faulty zippers or faulty pattern cuts or whatever has been detrimental yeah. in the in the bottom line in the productivity bottom line. Yeah. Um, have I got time for one more thing? Yeah, just one. Okay, so a really interesting discussion this morning because we were talking about 3D printing and how it fits into the whole production. And, you know, people are saying, well, you won't need to manufacture because people will now just be able to pull up the design and, and um, print it on their 3D printer. But who owns the IP on that? Yeah. How does the person that came up with the original design get compensated for what they've actually done? So we were talking about potentially the iTunes model where you pay for the design and some of that money goes back, you know, goes through the app to whoever owns it, but then goes back to the um, to the product developer in the first place. So all those things that we still need to face, but really exciting conversations, information, everything happening over the week. Good, and it's great to see Hunter at the uh, forefront as we've talked about before. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. the, the number of things that came out of the University 50 Years of Innovation last night were just fantastic. Can't wait for the innovation Women in Innovation um, Forum tonight. Well, we'll talk about that next week, huh? We can. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiatis there with a few highlights there from the Hunter Innovation Festival, and we'll listen to some more next week. Well, we've got, just got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips, and this one I think was very interesting because many years ago mind mapping was uh, all the rage, and uh, it's interesting that it's probably making a bit of a comeback. It says, to use mind mapping to spark new ideas. Like brainstorming, mind mapping helps teams come up with ideas quickly when starting from scratch. It lets people think associatively and visually to develop a constellation of interconnected ideas. Your team can generate more connections between ideas using mind mapping than by brainstorming or simply listing ideas. Start by writing a keyword or concept relevant to the situation at hand in the centre of a blank page or whiteboard, and then have your team free associate by adding words that relate to the original concept. Don't evaluate or judge any ideas. Even the most outlandish words or phrases can generate fresh thinking. Connect your ideas by drawing lines between them. Encourage your team to use colours to indicate action items, ideas, doubts and other factors. You'll end up with a visual mind map, which is a messy web of related concepts. Have the team discuss it so everyone understands each other's viewpoints and what comes next. Sounds exciting. 
And thank you once again for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at journey insurance and highlights from the Hunter Innovation Festival. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll visit the legal world with Baker Love Lawyers. We'll have a minute on innovation and some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law in You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Walt Disney once said, if you're going through hell, keep going.